0: I, I'm, right now I'm having this, um, I don't know, what do you call it like a metaphysical crisis of marketing my podcast because I really do it, everybody says this, but I do it almost as a journaling exercise. Like it's it's completely selfish and you know it's it's for me. <laughs> and then yeah. it's also, you know, there are followers and people who watch and listen, and so that's awesome. But I think, you know, what if I did want to do this more seriously? Well, mm-hmm. that that have to open the door for doing exactly what we're talking about and complaining about. I'd have to market, right? I'd have to advertise. And to me, that is, all that is just a bad, bad, bad. And this is all. It
1: depends what the intention is. Cause I have two podcasts, you know, podcasts and one of them is very intentionally to help educate the women that I work with in my business and practice. So they have something to go home and listen to. I mean, it's free resources. I'm interviewing experts, but that when I push, it's like, you know, you don't have to pay for it. It's free, but I'm talking about it a lot. Um, and then there's Coffee with Source, which was total divine inspiration. And exactly what you said. I love that. It's like, I'm just curious to know what people think a spiritual awakening is. I want to debunk like moon water and sage and smudging. And can we really be psychic? And there are all these questions and well, I couldn't cool. find the answers. And so I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast and start interviewing people. I think the fine line in what you're saying is if I, if it reached a point where people were listening and curious and following and it was helping them, you know, if I'm getting emails like, Oh my God, you helped me through my metaphysical awakening or spiritual awakening or Holy crap. I didn't know that was the dark night of the soul. I've been going through it for 20 years. (laughs) Maybe then I would be compelled to want to push it a little bit more because the intention is to help more people.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: I think that's the fine line. If it's pushing it like in your face.
0: Well, it gets me? It's like, oh, did you freeze? No, no, yeah. you're just very. I was no, just listening just to Very you calm. That was awesome. I was just expecting okay. another technological yeah. failure.
2: Living, living meditation.
0: <laughs> well, the, and, and sort of the along, and I know this is a lot of just my limiting beliefs. This is me feeling distrustful of. Uh, capitalism. I mean, that's a whole has nothing to do with podcasts or any of that. But I just I wonder what I see out there in the world and always have is and I just followed this interesting thread about country music um, just yesterday about this, where mediocre content is the is the most popular yeah. because of this, not because of the content, but because yeah. of the marketing machinery in front of it. And so that's tends to be what people almost want or seek. And so if you try to offer something that doesn't follow that prescription, then you're, you're by definition, not going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I guess depending on how you measure that.
1: I have to like interview someone who has a really deep knowledge in energy healing, you know, which is, you Mm -hmm. know, the episode is kind of like, for me, it's super fascinating and I'm getting that part of, of that connection. But that episode which has so many nuggets of wisdom yeah. and nuggets of curiosity where you should be like what the hell yeah you know really that episode versus having a conversation with a medium or a tarot card reader it's not even comparable. <laughs> and I'm not saying though the interview with the medium is mediocre content. I've had some international bestsellers sure. and all that but it's that tagline. It's kind of like easy listening. You don't have to ask yourself too many questions. You're just listening to this story, and you're being jolly, and you're kind of like, "Ooh, that's cool and spooky."
0: <laughs>
1: the other person, you have to ask yourself questions. So I get that.
0: Huh. Yeah, I guess I you know? Mediocre are kind
1: of like I can turn my brain off and just be like, "Yeah, that was cool. That was fine. I'm not going to write home about it."
0: I mean, it makes sense. Like you said, it's like easy listening versus jazz. You know, it's not right. a active. It's more of a passive process. It's it who really wants to have from- and
1: an existential crisis in the middle of listening to a podcast or watching the news or reading a blog or
0: well but but don't we do that every day
1: yeah (laughs) we're not aware
0: (laughs) yeah yeah on
1: autopilot.
0: well that's good well that's good to get a little bit of information about you i I love doing this and not literally not knowing anything about each each other um but i'll tell you a little bit about my podcast and then you can if you can tell me a little bit more about you and what you do especially (laughs) with those two podcasts and then I'll introduce the sort of the question of the day which I, yeah. I'm obsessed with. And so again like my podcast is sort of a hobby. I'm trying to you know if I'm I having an 18 19 year old kid is amazing. I'm almost 50 and all of a sudden I'm reliving my life at 18, which I think is a pretty critical point in most people's lives, probably around the world. You know, in America, we tend to leave home and some of us go to college at 18. I think around the world, people are, you know, making that transition and, uh, and getting to see them do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. I mean, as Don Miguel Ruiz says, you know, that's really like the beginning of your adult domestication. You're taking all these things you've been brainwashed by and then going, well, Am I going to do it that way? <laughs> or am I going to do it my way? and that's sort no, of the to versus...
1: it up yeah
0: yeah, that's the r versus should problem in a nutshell yeah. but i but I'm like really experiencing it again and i and I have this theory that humans go through these bimodal you know call it a midlife crisis, whatever you want, but we have this moment at eighteen, whatever it is, and then I think we do what we do, some of us decide to explore the art or be who we want to be some of us buckle down and get a job and get married and paint the picket fence white and have 2.75 kids but either way I think a large majority of people will go through this other hump at 40 45 50 55 Mm -hmm. and uh which is almost identical (laughs) to and that's why I'm doing the podcast is just sort of to examine that that space you know um I used to say I was—we're born having made this agreement with the world that we're going to work 40 hours a week for the rest of our lives, and I've never been able to get over that, and I'm still angry about it. And so now I'm podcasting about it. (laughs) That's
2: so that's that's what that's that's
1: for essence. That's what my that's what my project is about as well.
0: No, it doesn't
1: make sense to me. There's no way, and the you know. I love this. I could talk about
2: this.
1: (laughs) There's no way that this makes sense to me that, and there there are people in my life and I speak to them every day that they're okay with this. They don't even question it. That they're like, oh yeah, the best parts of my life, I'm stuck in a school being told what I should be learning because this is going to make me good at this thing that I'm curious about, that I'm going to work at it. And then the years of my life when I'm not in the greatest shape and I don't really feel like doing crap anymore, I'm going to be retired and have the opportunity (laughs) to start living.
0: Right.
1: But this right. is what God intended.
0: <laughs> well, and I used to, I still say youth is wasted on the young and retirement is wasted on the old. I mean, that model is just so, there's nothing that's right about it. I
1: love Tim Ferriss. <laughs> I'm not sure if you read the book, the, the four hour work week.
0: Yeah. Years ago. Yeah.
1: Right. Read it again. Cause I just listened <laughs> to it again recently. And at first I was like, man, this is for, you know, the wealthy, but no, he talks about having mini retirements. Mm-hmm. you know, throughout your life, setting up your life in a way that you can enjoy it, whether you have little kids or, or not, and that you can just go enjoy life spontaneously at different moments. And I'm like, this guy's got it.
0: Well, and I think you're right. I need to read it again. He's spreading I the do, gospel. <laughs> I do. I do find that these books I read, you know, it depends on your time in life, right? How these things hit you. But see, I've done that. I've retired. I retired from, a. I was an academic professor and realized all of a sudden, that it wasn't what I wanted, and retired to be a stay-at-home dad. So I'm all about, but 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 my story is clouded by the fact that I've always married powerful women that have mm-hmm. a good job. So I mean, I can't really say I've done anything special, except marry you know, well. Align my, well, yeah. If there's anything, <laughs> that's the only thing I've really done <laughs> in, in 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 terms of the American dream domestication success mm-hmm. with with money being the goal. Yeah, that's what I've done well in my life is is marry well but it, Mm -hmm. but it's really no different than any woman, you know, the majority of women did prior to 1970. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm a housewife.
1: (laughs) You ain't saying she's a gold
0: digger. I get it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like people joke. It's like, you have a type, (laughs) but it's not like that at all. I mean, no,
1: no, I think it's a personality type and going back because I like to have this conversation a lot, which infuriates a lot of people, but I'm always like, Tell me what your thoughts are. And they're like, No, I don't have any thoughts. This is the way it is. <laughs> and I'm like, But don't you wonder? And they're like, No, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but we've mislabeled um, a midlife crisis. Because in my research, for what I've been doing now, the last couple of years since my awakening or whatever it is, we've mislabeled midlife crises with awakenings or rebirths and not necessarily a spiritual awakening but a conscious awakening and we call it this midlife crisis and oh he's buying a corvette and banging the secretary and she's doing the tennis player and what about their family i think we all hit a wall where we worked so hard we've done all of the things we have the debt the houses the cars the mortgage we go on the vacations we have the instagrams And then we get to a certain age, typically in our earlier mid-40s, and then we still feel empty. And there's no answer for it. You think I should be happy. I married my high school sweetheart. We Mm -hmm. have beautiful kids, right? All of life comes to us with ease, joy, and glory. But I feel dead inside. (laughs) And so we want to like boost ourselves. And the booster cables are usually these outlandish, outrageous things that we do to try to feel alive. But if we just look at it from a broader perspective, and you say, okay, why are you feeling that way? It's because you've been out of alignment with yourself for so long. You kept hearing that little whisper of inspiration saying, this isn't the job for you. And you kept going, yeah, but what else am I going to do? I'm 35. I'm not going to go back to school. You know? And you kept ignoring those whispers till you just can't anymore.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like you're trying to make up for lost time. I mean, I think that's a big element that, that enables people to do the outlandish things like my mm-hmm. ex-wife. I mean, she went, you know, went off with another man and developed a whole new life. And I, I used to blame her for that, but now I sort of see that was her reaction to just look at all the crap I've put up with. It's my, it's me time, right? It's mm-hmm. now it's time to sort of follow what I probably should and
1: then we justify it. i
0: have been right. Well, in, in a way it kind of is, you make these sacrifices yeah. and, and but
1: they're not sacrifices they're choices but we're sold this dream this north american dream and we're told that that's what's going to bring us happiness so the problem lies with ourselves for believing it (laughs) right but we're conditioned at such a young age that we can't really advocate for ourselves and be like well you mom and dad and grandpa and grandpa you guys don't look that happy but sure okay (laughs) you know little johnny and i are going to follow in your footsteps (laughs) right? We're not thinking like that. We're just like, Oh, okay. This is what I'm supposed to do. But at some point, if you keep ignoring that inner voice, something's got to give.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, uh, it's amazing that you're kind of on that same path because this is exactly what I'm trying to resolve. And I, what I can't figure out is one, like we've sort of alluded to before is some people just don't care. They're not aware. They don't, I mean, do, okay. is it, Is it somebody's job to go in and shake them up and say, no, you've got to do this? Or do we just ignore those people? But how do you reach the people who are sort of, they're hearing those voices, they know something's wrong, but they maybe they're struggling with getting ready to have an affair, getting ready to pick up a cocaine habit or start gambling their life savings away, or make some bad decisions? You know, how do you find those people and sort of Introduce you keep the idea. Having the of
1: conversations, that. and you keep talking about your podcast because
0: yeah,
2: it's
1: right. lazy. This is the part of intention because there's so many more people like us, but they're not sure yet. They're on the cusp. Maybe they've never really questioned it until they come home and they find the wife in bed, or for me it was you know finding out my partner of 15 years was having multiple affairs with mm. multiple people for years. So. You ask yourself, why is this happening to me? Right. And then you're able to kind of go back and say, this is happening for me. Why? Because it's not in alignment. It takes time and healing. But that was to prevent me from crashing into a wall. Cause maybe 10 years later, 15 years later, I wouldn't have been in my perky thirties and been able to reinvent myself. <laughs> I would have woken up one day at 50 or 60 and been next to him and had my, yeah, right. you know, like well, crisis. it's funny.
0: It is that is a critical point for that particular, probably any real midlife trauma. My, I remember a buddy of mine, my best friend, uh, he was super drunk, telling me like right when this was all happening, he was leaning into me, and I'll never forget it. In that way that drunk people will kind of lean and going, <laughs> "This is an opportunity. This is an um, opportunity." You know, at the time, you're like, "No, this is the worst thing ever." It's not, but then exactly like you just said, you realize like, e-. that these
1: dodged a bullet for myself and for the other person because maybe i would have become what i'm supposed to be or stepped into my truth in that relationship but then i would have been responsible for trying to drag this person along this journey with me yeah,
0: sure. yeah. Sure. yeah. well, no well you you don't know what you're missing cuz my my second wife is just i mean it's amazing you know you don't know what you what you don't know until you know <laughs> mm-hmm. but what i, I have one thing like- <laughs> One thing you may appreciate is, so so the vicious should problem for me sort of started because I wanted, when I went to college, which I didn't want to go, all I wanted to do was smoke weed and sort of gaze at my navel and, and sort of leverage that into being a philosophy major, right? So I went to college to be a philosophy major and the world sort of orchestrated mostly my dad and saying, you know, what the hell are you going to do with that? You know, and he, and he was cool in his, de- his defense. He was cool about it. He just sort of said... Don't fool yourself into thinking that one day you won't want to get paid. And so yeah, maybe you need to think that. about getting a job and not just studying something. And so I, I pivoted, right? And I, that was the moment. I can see myself standing there the moment I went, all right, he's right. And I pivoted into a career path that, um, you know, I ended up quitting because it wasn't. But, it, but in college, when we used to teach and the other professors, somebody told me one time, he's like, you know, I was buried in that college environment. So I was, it was 18 to 20 year old kids all the time teaching. And he said, why would you think, why would you let an 18 year old kid decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Well, and I thought at the time I was like, yeah, these kids are idiots and it's, and it sucks for them because they can't. Anyway, I, that was my mantra for a long time is that 18 year old kids should not be allowed to decide what they want to do. Now as I'm 50, sorry, it's taking so long to get to the point of the story. Now that I'm 50, I look back and I go, you know what? That 18 year old kid knew exactly who wow. he was.
1: And you're living it with your kids.
0: Right. Well, I'm hoping while my, my oldest is so far down in the should, she doesn't know. My second knows exactly who she is. And I hope to God she never loses that. And it's about trying to help my first one. figure. But that's the are versus should problem. It's like, I, I I knew who I was. I was... I felt like I know who I are, <laughs>
1: yeah, but, uh, but, but uh, the world
0: was sort of telling me what but I should do. The noise is
1: so loud. Yeah. The noise is yeah. so loud and the judgment and we've been conditioned for 18 years on everyone else's value and belief system. And that's how, you know, when you become an adult and you're like, what are your core values? And you're like, eh you start, you know, going in the Rolodex of your mind and saying, okay, well, what did my mom believe about this? What did my dad, what did grandma, yep. ooh, and Betty, okay. And all these voices and people, you know, your football coach said this one amazing quote one day and that inspired you. And so what is really your own? Right. What do you really own? You're 18, you're headed into the world. So when you have that inner knowing, and it's not exactly what everyone else has programmed you to think you want, that's
0: gold. Well, but it's also cognitive dissonance, right? It's like, er, like for me, I don't know if it was a confidence thing or just feeling different or not having a support system or a lot of different things now that I understand it, but I didn't feel strong enough to just say, fuck all of y'all. I'm going to do it this way. You know, that, that was not, that's not an easy thing to do when you see, that's why I love, you know, the freaks of the world. You know, it's like, yeah, you are so strong (laughs) to to not give a crap.
1: I am a freak of the world. I left home at 15 for reasons that we don't have to get into, but I left home at 15, uh, you know, got an apartment. I was actually telling this story yesterday. I convinced this little old lady that I was 18. I looked like I was two when I was 15. It was just nuts. I look back at the pictures. Um, I convinced her, she didn't check for ID. She rented me this little one bedroom basement apartment. I got a job, I left school. And what I can say is, you know, it was a choice for me at that time for my survival. But from 15 to 18, when I was busy being a grown up for my survival, when I got to 18, and got different jobs, the maturity level of the 18 year olds around me, who were still mostly living at home, you know, getting into these great schools, and I was adulting. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's always created this disconnect in my life of, I'm this younger person looking for these older people who are adulting and understand the weight of the world and the responsibilities, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I've always been a loner.
0: Yeah, like, well, right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not yeah. a very common, you know.
1: It's not um, common. C-
0: c- scenario.
1: But you're sitting there and you're hearing these kids bitch about, not know what program I should take because my parents and they, and you're going, really, really, Zachary? Hmm, that's your biggest problem today, you know?
2: <laughs> Just <So literally>, wait. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And Zach's a real character who actually studied philosophy. And he popped into my mind because I remember what he told me one day and he was almost crying, studying philosophy here at McGill. And that's what he wanted to do. And he was just always, you know, so philosophical or whatever it was. And that was very attractive. Uh, But his dad flew down one day, took him out for dinner and he says, you know, in less than six months, you'll end up wanting to transfer to law school. And he was like, "No, I'm not gonna want to do that. I'm not gonna want to do that." And he did mm-hmm. because his dad said some, something similar: "You're gonna want to make money one day."
0: Yeah, right. Well, I, funny- I'm
1: not gonna be here to, to be able to help you or whatever it was. So,
0: yeah. Well, what's funny about me is I ended up becoming a college professor, which at the time in philosophy I was like the best I can do is become <laughs> a college professor. And I sure as hell don't want to do that. So there, you know, there is some yeah. ignorance and naivete of you know, being 18, not, not being an adult, Yeah. Uh, but but that's really interesting. You have a nice little experiment there to sort of look at that age. And then someone who has taken on these adult responsibilities versus the, the normal scenario where people who haven't. And that's the funniest thing about watching my oldest daughter is all she, from four years old, all she ever wanted to do was be an adult. I mean, not in, not in like a running wild kind of way, just in a I don't know. she just was always older than, and now that yeah. she is, it's like it's so terrible. And I think already she's like, gosh, I wish I would have just been 12.
1: Enjoyed, yeah. <laughs> yeah Whatever
0: what that, that means.
1: Yeah, he's 16 and that was his thing. That was his thing. Can't wait to be a grown. I'm, I'm gonna do things differently and I'm like, okay, I hope so. Right. You know, I am not trying to copy and paste a version of myself into you. I don't want to live my life through yours. I want to encourage you. I want to support you. I'm not here to hold you back. You can stay a little while longer, enjoy the free bacon in the fridge. You know, <laughs> it's like,
0: hell,
1: yeah. oh, you're gonna get there.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just so interesting to see the to talk to people about this R versus should problem because everybody has sort of a, a different take on um, you know, what it means to them. There's a lot of commonality, right? I think a lot of us struggle with imposter syndrome and sort of the results of that dissidence of struggle like you're you're alluding to like the the drastic dramatic changes in behavior in midlife yeah. but but it's like uh, again i guess to revisit that question of what do we do about it like we can parent our kids and try to give them the belief system or confidence to mm-hmm. listen to both sides but you know is it too late for society you know like i guess that's the
1: I don't think it's too late for society. I think we have to rebrand and make sexy the saying following your heart because following your heart has been romanticized, but it's actually our battery pack. It's our GPS back to the source, the, whatever you call it. Yeah. Right. That's our GPS back. That's where. Love lives. That's where that connection, that deep knowing lives. And so when people say, follow your heart, we give it a bad rap because we make it sound cheesy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We make it sound like it's something that you do on a whim and it's a bad idea. And it's one of those Julia Roberts movies and some cowboy with the tight jeans and
2: (laughs) don't break her heart. And then
1: you're like, oh no. But I think if we rebrand it and make it sexy and say, hey, You are equipped with all of the knowing within you. This is how you do it. You just got to ask yourself a series of questions and you'll know right away in your gut. Because we are equipped. Those whispers. Yeah. You know, they're not farts in the wind from your neighbor. They are something. (laughs) And when you hear them more than
2: once.
0: (laughs) No, no. I'm telling you what, this is unbelievable for me because you, you have just sort of crystallized so I went through about 10 years of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and I'm, I was a scientist You know, I'm not saying I was born to be a scientist, but I went through a training program that made me think like a scientist and do science for a living. And so I have that modality sort of imprinted on me, but it's not my nature, right? My nature is more like what you're talking about, but I forgot. And I, cre- I was like, that's cheesy, no intuition, gut feeling, blah, blah, blah. That's just an opinion. You know, you can't just say, I feel like we should do this. Like, well, that's your opinion. There's no evidence. You know what I mean? So I was sort of real living in this world. And then I switched from, and I couldn't heal with cognitive behavioral therapy because I got it analytically, but it didn't do anything to me. Like Mm -hmm. my brain understood exactly what happened to me, what was going on, but the experiences overrode that. So recently I discovered something called internal family systems or IFS. It's a somatic work where you're sort of you almost get into a meditative state um and you're you focus on your body and anyway in doing that i can now apply all this analytical stuff and in a, a, a year i've changed more than i had and the biggest change is i have come full circle to where these things came out of me i didn't go yeah you're right i went oh it's this and it was just what you just said love um, I can't remember what the other thing that you said, but those and sort of that intuition, the inner knowing, the inner knowing. I'm like, this is real. I can't <laughs> deny it. I felt it. The, the evidence sort of stacked up to where I'm like, well, the scientist in me is kind of like, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You've, you've given me evidence. I'll forward now.
1: you an, an article because I just read, you know, a scientific article on intuition and they did research in different groups and they've scientifically proven that we all have intuition.
0: Right. Well, so, and like, I, like I said, the scientists are quick to come up and say, no, no, no. You know, there's almost yeah. like they have a built-in defense to allow them to perpetuate. I, I'm in this, I don't know if maybe this could be my personal brand, but because I was, a, it's like, you know, nobody can make fun of your mom, but you. Or, like, yeah. you no, know, but you can't make fun of West Virginia unless you lived in West Virginia. Well, I was a scientist, so I can I have the authority make fun of them. to and so I'm I'm sort of getting on this soapbox of the scientific method has run its course.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? It's
0: done for us what it can do. What are the other tools?
1: People are getting into quantum physics and different types of research that is out there that confirms all of this that confirms that we're all connected and that we're all one and you know we live in kind of a matrix thing and i think slowly but surely more people are getting curious and so they're they're not Mm. stupid they're watching us all over the place and they're going "Ooh, you know six million people in arizona have googled quantum physics let's release the fact that the cia has been doing a study for 20 years they're ready for it (laughs) i think we're gonna get to see a lot more of that but Going back to rebranding, following your heart, that inner knowing—it's when it's that immediate, that immediate voice, that first voice. When someone says, "Let's jump off a bridge," right? That first voice that pops up—that's your intuition, that's your higher self, your your inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And in that circumstance, it's probably going to say, "What the hell for?" <laughs> Hopefully, you know but we get that every day in all that we do driving down the highway, you know, and you're going on your usual road and you're like, Oh, you know what? I haven't had coffee this morning. I should really get a coffee. Yeah. There's no coffee near the office. I'm going to go grab some coffee. And then you hear about this massive accident that happened and you go, Holy shit. And you tell everyone that's my usual route to work. And I didn't, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I hear you hundred percent.
1: But when you ignore it, (laughs) (laughs)
0: but but at the same time based on what we've been saying we've all been ignoring it and so the 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 rebranding the challenge is for for an analytical person like me i know how to heal them you give them a pile of evidence and you slap them upside the face enough times and go you can't ignore this anymore because this is the same method you use to justify anything that you do but for other people i don't know what it's going to take the sexy rebranding part sounds great i mean i can imagine You know, the commercials (laughs) that that one could make to 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 I think we you
1: know we we propose that they do clinical trials on themselves if we're gonna keep it scientific and just say how about the next seven days? Yeah, you ask yourself the question, get off auto autopilot, because that's the problem. You know, we're living asleep, we're not living, we're existing. We've stopped communicating with ourselves and we're the whole machine, we're the whole thing, right? The human brain is the most powerful thing there is on earth. The heart emits insane frequencies. You know what I mean? Like we need to get out of this fog and just whatever you're doing for the next seven days, this clinical trial on yourself and just ask yourself the question when you wake up in the morning after you've said, man, I'm glad to be alive. (laughs) Do I want a cup of coffee? Would I like a cup of coffee? Do I feel like taking a shower? And just with those little things, Hmm. And you sit long enough to get the answer that gut feeling, you'll be able to lean into that intuition, learn to trust yourself because you'll know because we've, we've suppressed it for so long. You know, when a coach used to say, you're so stupid, you're never going to get it. And you'd get that little defiant inner kid who'd go, you don't know me, you're not my boss, because <laughs> you knew that was wrong to speak to someone like that, right? Oh,
2: that yeah, same feeling.
1: That's the clinical trial. So everyone does this for one week. You know, your kid comes home and does something really obnoxious, and you're ready to lay into him or her and give them a piece of your mind. Stop and ask yourself, you know, does this feel right? Is this what I need? Is this what they need? Probably not. They probably need a hug. So there's yeah. a lot of weird sensations that are going to come up, right? That's why we coin the, the the phrase hippie and oh they've gone all new age and
2: <laughs> ooh. oh they met
1: Jesus you know it's like no you stop stop giving a crap about what's not important and you start leaning into the fact that you have all the answers you don't need anybody to tell you what to do.
0: No, that's fantastic. I mean, that's we'll call it shit.
1: inspired action instead of following <laughs> your heart. You know, the inspired yep. action clinical trial.
0: Well, and you pa- and when you package it like that, you could deliver that message in a ton of different ways, depending on t-shirts. the, the, the audience. <laughs> well, I mean, you say, um, you, 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 uh, what say it again? Like you're making an analytical thing, what you a say? clinical trial. Yeah. So a clinical trial that may not be appealing to everybody, but you could just change those yeah. two words into the trial and error or, you know, an yeah. experiment, whatever, you know, to make it, yeah. to make it, uh, work for people. I like that a lot because, well, Bit, stepping back one step, the, the best work I think I did out of all that therapy, except for IFS, what I do now, which is just completely different. The, the best cognitive stuff was the values that you mentioned earlier, like having to sit down and really think about what your values are. The first time hmm. I did it, I did it in five minutes. and went, here's the list. And the person I was working with went, okay, now let's go into each one of those. And mm-hmm. she would basically never tell me I was, let me be done. She would never let me finish. And I would just went on for like three or four months and I'd go back and I was getting like angry. Like, I'm like, I'm yeah. so tired of this crap, but the you end know, but result.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't have the equipment. Nobody ever, I, I didn't know how to look in and pull out that kind of an answer. Right. Mm-hmm. To, and really, and I, and I wish like, how do I, how do I get people to do this? <laughs> Because of what it did for me,
1: and it's extremely frustrating, and that's why you know, when I work with my clients, I tell them it's gonna suck before it feels blissfully free (laughs) (laughs) because now you've just been stuck in the mud. So, just picture half your body stuck in this pool of quicksand for 20 years, 15 years, and you've been holding yourself up by your shoulders and you just kind of head above water. When you start to shimmy yourself out of that, you're going to have bruised ribs, your ass is going to be sore. You're, it's going to be, you're just going to want to lay there in the muck, you know, or go back
0: shimmy. to where you were because it's easier.
1: Yeah. And that's what it is. And it, for some people it's like, oh no, that's just too much. But think yeah. of how amazingly soft and smooth your skin will be, you know, after being
2: in the mud bath for 20
1: years. The results are incredible, but the journey is like ugh, you know, this sucks <laughs> put me back in the hole.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's I mean, it, but it's funny because I've been through it. Right? And so yeah, it's, it's easy to look so back high. and go, yeah, It's like you're right. And for me, what I do a lot of times is I expected it to be fast. Like I look back and say, I really spent 10 years doing that. That's embarrassing. I'm such yeah. a failure. How, but but it, the other times I'm like, that's you know, that's what it took. That's, <laughs> that's what it took. Like, I'm glad and I did go, it.
1: I still have aha moments all the time on certain subjects where I was like, okay, little girl, you did, you, did, you know, you did good. Now we're going to move right. on gonna upgrade you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then something will trigger me. And I'm like, I can see her in the little corner stomping her feet. She's like, we're going to talk about this right now. Cause we didn't think <laughs> about it like this.
2: <laughs>
1: and I'm like, cause we were seven. We right. didn't know. We didn't know. It's okay. You're safe. You know, let mama take over. Well, it's
0: funny. No, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say we you can you can't do it all in one day. Right. You no. can't put all your values on a piece of paper in five minutes and go, this is it. This is you know, this is me. I'm the Jerry Maguire. And this is what it. What did he write a memo <laughs> or a,
0: um, a
1: mission statement? You know, what's, what's that? Yeah. For? memento or something
0: yeah but that's the kind of work i'm talking about i mean it is valuable
1: you know and he's walking around he's passionately you can't do that with one page after 15 years of hurt and yuck and expect everyone else to to get on board
0: and i and other people call it unlearning i mean that's the problem is you want to come in and start yeah you come you want to come in and say i'm going to start doing work today but in reality you start doing the unlearning and you yeah. got to go through all of that before you get to the point where you can start to do it's funny I'm and a reading- lot of people
2: get
1: they resist that part what you're saying they resist that part because you know they'll say it, it all goes back to trauma but they'll say no like my parents were fine I had good parents like why would I need to unlearn that and just asking them the question well what if they were wrong on certain things mm-hmm. what if they weren't right about everything what if all your teachers and coaches and babysitters were not right about everything what if they got some stuff wrong, and then you see the oh, mm, mm-hmm. okay, right. Well, we're well, reevaluating.
0: What I've noticed lately is uh, that unless you figure it out on your own, it doesn't have the same meaning. So it's like you can test the hypothesis. Well, your your dad said you need to get a good job. Well, let's let's work at that question from yeah. the back end and see if you can get there yourself. And if you do. Mm-hmm then you've worked through the whole path and now you agree with it. But what you've done is not that you just said, okay, I believe you. And I, and I always thought it was just me that that doesn't work for, but I don't think that works for human.
1: It doesn't work for anybody. (laughs) It doesn't work for anybody. And that's why when you, you know, you work with different modalities and you're able to work with someone who's number one, gone through a lot of yuck, they know all the phases, the resistance, the eye, ah, you're mm-hmm. Oh, you're a little wacko. I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, I'm fine. Because there's many stages, right? And you're able to channel that and ask the right questions. But when you see the person going, yeah, okay, that makes sense, which you should never be telling your client how they're feeling. You should always be asking them okay. questions and the more questions, the more questions. But when they think they've gotten it, then you ask them, you know, hey, Chris, when I bring up with you the fact that you don't want to market your podcast, you don't want to advertise it, even though you know it could be helping people, where do you feel that in your body? Where does that come up for you? Yeah, right. You feel it instantly.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I, that's a big one for me at some point I'm going to have to deal with. <laughs> what you resist persists, right? <laughs> what you resist persists,
1: but that's where it is. You can't go okay because you're feeling it in your body, which means it's still stuck there and it's going to linger there until you, like you said earlier, you let it go. And sometimes you're not going to be able to let it all go. You're going to have to negotiate with that part of you. That limiting belief has been in there for however long. It's not 100% going to want to go, but what you can do is upgrade its role. Say, hey, you've been there in my life for the last 20 years, 30 years, 10 years, your role has been to protect me. That's awesome. Right? But it's been keeping me weighed down. It's been keeping me close minded. Listen, I know you're not quite ready to go yet. But how about I assign you a different role?
0: Yeah, are, you you f- are you familiar with internal family systems work? Because no. that's exactly what you're talking about. No. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, this is amazing. I'm yeah, a it's a
2: therapist and
1: an NLP practitioner I'm a mindset coach and I combine the modalities as well as energy healing, but I've never heard of it.
0: Well, yeah, it's, well, it's not that common, but oh, it's, I mean, it's funny. It's like, and I love that because when you have multiple lines of evidence, the pathways all arriving at the same point, you know, in biology, we used to say, you know, birds and bats have the same wing, but it evolved independently, which I love that. I love that, that you are just basically using the same language that you figured out because it just makes sense.
1: it makes sense <laughs> and you know i didn't i didn't invent it i studied you know under the great morris yeah. Pierre. she's fantastic and developed this component you know she realized once people were in, in into hypnosis that you were able to mm-hmm. regress them and you know you get to the root cause then you have them review the information but when a client is blocked, oftentimes, you know, PTSD, OCD, whatever it is, this need to control this fear, because they've blocked out so many years of their lives that by not insisting that the client come up with some memory, yeah, you know, right. you remove the pressure by saying, let's have a conversation with you. What if you could go inside your body right now? And then you ask those questions and, it always works.
0: <laughs> That's that it. Always works, and I have. A
1: Where is it? Oh, it's in my gut. What does it look like? Oh, it looks like a big rock. What color is it? They always have a color. They always have a texture. They always have. Oh, it's hotter. It's colder. Oh, it's a shard of glass in the back of my head.
2: Wow,
0: not that
1: that that crazy. Fun. Even no, though that, that same time you be... come up with a scene. So.
0: That's awesome because that's what I'm going through right I mean I'm having as the client experience with my coach and yeah it's 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 mind-blowing that's so cool that that's what you do yeah <laughs> <Now>. what <what's laughs> after that? I got out of the mud well yeah <laughs> cool. but I mean it's never I mean it's it's never too late I mean like it's it's cool almost being 50 because I have these I can see the choice before me I can choose to say oh god I'm 50 and, and follow that into my future of just being old or I can say you know look at what I've accomplished or I'm only 50 you know it's it's purely a choice it's purely a mindset and two three years ago I would not have been able to tell you that I believe that you know what I mean like it was going to be the way it's going to be and that's it (laughs)
1: 100% and I think that's what's comforting about having a podcast having an outlet you know because I'm 100% ADHD and so I studied you know, access consciousness, the energy modality. And then I was like, Ooh, that's weird. I don't want to do that for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> um, love it. Love a lot about it. Right. But I'm a huge skeptic and I'm a rebel and I'm all these things yeah. and I have ADHD. And I was like, if it feels right. If it feels right. It feels right. Now I know what it is. And there's a lot about access that I love, but I'm like, I'm not going to walk around doing that for the rest of my life. So keep following the breadcrumbs, mm. you know? And then it was like, The breadcrumbs led me to studying hypnotherapy and then rapid transformational therapy, mindset coaching, and then mindfulness coaching and all of these modalities to a point where I had another existential crisis. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing to me? You know, put my hands up (laughs) in the air and going, I'm following all the breadcrumbs. Are you like, are you dropping them? a hole in the bag did you forget to put it in the ziploc you just have me down here going, okay like, hey.
0: I'm almost
1: 40 I have kids to feed you know it's like oh, there's no sweet. no job it's a pen what am I doing with my life
0: that's awesome. and then I was
1: like oh oh I can do something it's like a buffet you know you go to one of those buffets you have a little Asian food yeah. Mexican yeah food. A tummy ache the next day um, shouldn't <laughs> I had that burrito with the general chicken but it's like I get to create the palette of modalities that I know with certainty are going to be the best ones for the type of women that I want to help heal so yeah
0: wow and, and I, I interviewed um, a couple of I guess it just came out last week Gretchen Witterkorn, who was a kind of a full-time psychotherapist working as a part of a crew. And then she was talking about the restrictions that she felt in that world. And I was really surprised to hear that, you know, she was very constrained by how she could work and she felt this pull of wanting to work a different way. And so she quit, she moved to the country. She started seeing clients on her own independently, like part-time and was able to do exactly what you're saying, like pull in the pieces that she wanted to use. Oh, I know. I just hearing her say that. I was like, Yeah. And you and you can see it in the interview. She just you can feel the the know. love and the
1: passion. I've met so many psychotherapists, psychologists, uh, so many people, medical professionals. I did an interview with one last week who she, you know, went to school wanting to become a social worker and then a therapist, a marriage and relationship therapist. She mm-hmm. did the thing, got into the <laughs> office setting and
2: felt
1: <laughs> so restricted. And she was like, but that's not really helping them. What do I do? And, you know, was in a a very young relationship and they were about to get married and do all the life things. And after speaking with her partner, she's like, I think I can do this differently. And she's a hugely successful, holistic relationship and family therapist who deals with hard stuff, betrayal, trauma. She's got all of the training. Yeah, She's doing it in a setting where couples who haven't spoken for weeks, they have a painting class together (laughs) they go out for a walk in the woods as opposed to having them on the little crusty couch and you know
0: writing notes traditional stuff yeah she
1: she just followed that inner knowing right and we're not calling it the heart anymore we're following our
0: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Like the rebranding, and this is a. uh, I'm also kind of a post. There are people out there that are much better at that than me. (laughs) That really think in that those terms. We're gonna call
1: Oprah's PR team.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, this is fantastic. Um, I got to tie up a little bit here, but I want I want to talk to you again. I don't know how that will look or how that will work, but I will definitely. This is um, you're an amazing person. Yeah, well, and 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 whatever um. Well, it's so cool that you can feel that through zoom. Like I didn't think that's why I kind of started this off solo and didn't think the interviews would work. Uh, but, but it does obviously (laughs) because we're not in the same room. I'm
1: going to buy this car, but I'm not sure it's going (laughs) to (laughs) start.
0: Well, I just felt compelled to do it. It's that intuition thing. It's like, I need to talk to other people. Um, but if you want to t- tell people how they can reach you or, or, or read your stuff or anything that you have to offer that you want people to know about, um, if you can share that with us, that'd be awesome. Yeah, of course. They
1: can find me on Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash mindset makeover coaching. Same thing on TikTok. I give a lot of nuggets of wisdom and information. Uh, Emma at RapidTransformation.ca and RapidTransformation.ca is the website.
0: Awesome, and I'll make sure that's all in the blog, so it's a lot easier for people to see and click on.
1: Yeah, if they're curious <laughs> about how they can, you know, help me rebrand, uh, help us rebrand, I feel like we're onto something.
0: Well, no, I mean that that I really I, this is something. First, I have to get, I have to work on my mindset as related to marketing, and I and I know that, and I just haven't had a reason to do it. But now I I feel a thousand percent more compelled to <laughs> not resist that after talking to you, and and yeah, I think there's something. Because that, that, well, I mean, it's, uh, I can't, I can't verbalize it, but you know, in the Mm -hmm. world of normalcy, there's a way to present things to the general public that they're ready for. And I don't feel like I know what that is. Now I could, with somebody's help with people, a group of people could figure out what that is. I just would like to be a part of that, if that makes any sense. That's what focus
1: groups are for. We're going to go to a hippie community
0: and create a little. <laughs> well, it's funny that you said hippie Tell a couple to times you. <laughs> because I've, I've, I started writing this article. I haven't developed it or even, maybe never finished it, but it's where have all the hippies gone? You know, like mm. where are there hippies out there now? Like people that we associate with what we would call a hippie, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's us.
1: <laughs> where, where do you live?
0: I live in southwestern Virginia.
1: That's, close. that's why the Virginia comment <laughs> I was close like, to Ten-
0: yeah close to Tennessee close to North Carolina like that part of Virginia like I feel like Virginia,
1: that's like why Tennessee. but now keep your ears open and your eyes peeled because you're going to start coming across so many more hippie things and your question <laughs> will be answered and you're going to think of this moment and smile but I feel like they're all in Arizona you know <laughs> near those energy portals
0: oh yeah yeah
1: California. <laughs> they're hiking well, like, J- Free.
0: i That's i yeah I, I feel a pull to mexico city like the the well we this is a whole nother company i, I will i can interview just about yeah. that <laughs> we'll talk about
1: that
0: later um yeah do you go by emma or emmanuel what do you prefer
1: emmanuel okay is my real name emma oh, is right. my stage name
0: <laughs> yeah christopher's my it's real easier name
1: for but. people yeah <laughs> uh, although someone
0: I like a, a man I think Emmanuel like, is great. I googled a,
1: Emma Chase, and what what came up was some really naughty pictures. <laughs> Apparently, there's a an author who writes erotica.
0: Well, at least <laughs> it's an author and not <laughs> an actor. So
1: they are going to Google
2: me,
0: Emmanuel, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it has been it's been my esteemed pleasure, Emmanuel, to meet yeah, you and so. and get a chance to hear you talk. And I can't wait to share this with uh, the listeners. And I'll thank you. And up.
1: I'm sorry for my tardiness.
0: No, nah, not at all. No, well,
1: this was, this was a blast. I don't feel like I've answered your question, but we'll do this again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the question remains. The question really gives us an excuse to revisit it. But thank you. Yeah. Uh, where are you? You're in Canada? Right? I'm in
1: Montreal. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: I know why there's no hippies here. It's too cold. <laughs> it's like hippie egos, nah. <laughs>
0: the clothing is too restrictive.
1: <laughs> yeah, the flowers are all wilted.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Thank you very much have a great for that. Day. Yeah, you too. I'll be a judge. Bye.